Menno Middle got you down? Crush your sugar cravings with delicious, all-natural Bossa Bars from Menopause, created to help women manage weight loss and energy during the pause. Try them at bossabars.com and save 10% every time with code KD10. Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. When it comes to clothes, are you a pack rat or a purger? Think about your closet for a minute. When you open it, does it spark joy or does it cause panic or overwhelm because it's disorganized and overstuffed, yet you have nothing to wear? Today's guest has ideas for cultivating a closet and a wardrobe that sparks joy and is more practical, sustainable, and ethical. Daisy Gillespie is a personal stylist and the founder of The Mindful Closet, a weight-inclusive personal styling service that encourages women to forget about trends and sizing charts and to shop and dress more mindfully and joyfully. If a big closet cleanout is on your to-do list, if you're looking to shop more ethically but aren't sure how to begin, or if you simply need help elevating your style after two years of Zoom tops, stick around. This show is for you. Welcome, Daisy. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. Yeah, I'm excited. This is um, this is something. I'm a big purger, so I'm always looking for for ideas and ways to be better. Uh, but I, I want to start by asking you about your business. I noticed mm. that you called it the Mindful Closet, which is a great name. What inspired mm, you to make mindfulness the core of your business? Um, that's such a good question. It was something that I really put a lot of thought and effort into. Um, and this is just kind of a funny aside, but I remember I was tossing around a bunch of names and and kind of running them by some friends. And <laughs> and one friend said, oh, no, Mindful Closet. I can hear that like on an NPR interview, like Daisy from Mindful Closet. And I was oh, like, okay. I love it. NPR approved, right? Yeah, you manifested it. You, this, is not yeah. M- this is not NPR, but I did yeah. invite you because I was like, the Mindful Closet. I need to know more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it really is about this idea of pausing. Um, it's really about taking out the impulsivity and the, um, you know, just the kind of thoughtlessness that sometimes happens when we go shopping. And there's so many reasons for that. And those are all things that I work on with clients. But um, it's really about taking a pause and really thinking about, you know, is this something I need? Is this something I want to wear? Or am I doing this because I've been told, you know, in certain ways that this is what I should do? And so what are those ways? Is it like, um, you know, fashion, um, you know, the season's changing? Is it pop Mm -hmm. culture? Like, where are we getting these messages that make us feel that we need to keep buying new things? Mm, Well, pretty much everywhere. Unfortunately, it's kind of the water that we're swimming in these days. Um, But there's so many messages from the consumerist messages to the kind of negative body messages that we're getting all the time. And unfortunately, a lot of them start young. Um, When I talk with my clients, we go all the way back to childhood and and we'll kind of um, acknowledge and accept and try and let go of some of those messages that were given to people by their mothers or their grandmothers or their sisters. Um, so unfortunately, women are doing it to other women quite a bit. Um, and then, of course, as we grow up in the media, in culture, in you know everything we see in imagery, um, we're kind of given these messages that there is one specifically that there's one standard um, beauty ideal and that we all have to spend as much time and effort as we can attempting to get as close as possible to that ideal. Um, And what I find is that a lot of people are doing things that they don't want to be doing. They're wearing things they don't want to be wearing um, because of those kind of 
messages that this is this is how you you know become someone who is worthy is is by fitting as closely as you can to this ideal so when I was on your website, which, by the way, is so well organized, I love all of the different uh, blog posts that you've done or sort of you have a, a way of organizing where you say, start here, you know, and you click mm-hmm. on that link and it's, you know, starts with the beginning of this process. So it's a terrific mm-hmm. website. I encourage people to go look at it after this show. But one of the things that caught my eye on your site is that you say, quote, it's not about the clothes. Mm -hmm. It's about showing up in the world the way you want to show up, which I love. I Mm -hmm. love this notion of being thoughtful about how we want to present ourselves and how we want to show up in the the world. Mm -hmm. If a client is struggling to decide, you know, how do you help them hone their vision uh, Mm. of of how they want to, you know, put themselves forth to the world? Yeah. Well, my whole goal is to help women uncover, again, how they truly feel best. Um, And that is, you know, perhaps not the same advice that they might get from a magazine or a book or someone telling them how to, how to, you know, quote, dress their fruit body type. Um, And so what I'm really interested in is, is peeling back all the layers to find out what, what women really feel good in and what they really love. And there, there's quite a few steps to that process. I mean, again, one is kind of thinking back over your life. I call the style stories, like kind of thinking back over your life, thinking about the ways that you dressed at various points in your life, trying to identify whether there were some joyful periods in there and and what made those so. Um, And then we do a lot of work with images and visuals. Um, And so even that requires some some letting go of, of, you know, previous ideas. And because a lot of times when we're told to collect images for style inspiration, we censor ourselves. And, you know, this could sound like saying, well, I love how this looks. That is so cute on her, but I could never pull that off. Or I could never wear that. That wouldn't look good on me. I have nowhere to go in that. You know, just all these messages that we're just even saying to ourselves. And so with my clients, we really want to isolate you know, their personal opinion and their gut reaction to these images and create a collection of images that feel good to them. Like really talking about, I always am talking about vibes and, you know, just how this feels. And um, very interestingly, often those images will will come out of a different, kind of a different place um, than what people have previously thought their style might be. Um, So I always recommend starting with visual inspiration. That makes sense. So is there room for multiple visions? Because I, you know, Mm. I think about like work Katie and casual Katie and, you know, Mm -hmm. Katie who like might be going to a special event. You you, you do a lot of work to edit closets and, Mm -hmm. and to sort of discourage or move women away from mindless consumption. But what if we have multiple ways we need to show up in the world? How does that work with an edited closet? I love that question. I'm so glad you asked it. Because again, one of the boxes we often put ourselves in sometimes is I must stick with one specific style my whole life and never deviate. Um, And that's absolutely not true either. We're all changing and growing and evolving all the time. Um, and so I absolutely think there's going to be different styles for different, um, occasions in your life. And one thing that, um, another exercise we often do is like, let's, let's take a pie chart and let's break it down, um, and see which pieces of the pie are the activities in your life that take up the most time. And then let's make sure that that part of your wardrobe corresponds, you know, in terms of ratio here, 
Like we don't want to have 50% of your closet cocktail dresses if, you know, 90% of your time you're a stay-at-home mom of a two-year-old. So just kind of lining those things up and absolutely accepting that there can be different styles for different um, areas of your life is, is makes absolute perfect sense. Okay, I'm so glad because sometimes I feel like a fashion magpie, you know, I'm like literally mm-hmm. all over the place. And I'm not one of those people that that just shows up and like they have that, that distinct style where you're like, mm-hmm. that's so Katie, you know, where yeah. it's just like, always the black tailored pants with like a smart white black, you know, whatever it is that that is that someone's uniform. I, I really feel like I'm all over the map. So I'm happy to hear that that's okay. And this notion of a pie chart is so, so smart, you know, to make sure that your your what's hanging in your closet sort of aligns with how, how you spend your time. You also mm-hmm. talk about normalizing repeating outfits and why this mm-hmm. is important. Can you walk us through why this is not the norm and why it's so hard to do in practice? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I mean, I talk to people all of the time. Someone challenged me on this recently and said, oh, I can't imagine anyone cares about that. And I was like, no. (laughs) I talk to women all the time who have tracked their outfits from high school, you know, keeping track of things so that they would never wear things twice in, you know, two weeks or making sure they look at their social media feed to make sure they're not wearing the same outfit they wore to a previous event that was photographed. And, um, it really, it really is something that's pretty pervasive. Um, and it's this idea that we should never be wearing the same thing, that we should always be wearing something new and different. Um, and that really was a shift, you know, sometime in the mid 20th century when, um, mid late 20th century, when, when production of clothing started to get, um, more globalized and, and, um, exported and imported and, you know, we had more access to cheaper clothes, then it became something where we could amass more options. Um, if you think about it previous to that, like you think of someone in 1920, you know, even a wealthy person had, you know, three or four dresses, like fancy dresses or whatever. Um, and now we're just kind of inundated with this message that we we have to have something new for every occasion. Um, Absolutely. I, really, I, th- you know, I really yeah. think Instagram has had a, a big mm. role in that, too, because this notion of the sort of visual communications and not wanting to be photographed twice, you know, it's really you're we're getting dressed in the historical period of time you just that we live in. And you just suggested yeah. that, you know, in the 1800s or the ni- early 19th century, you know, clothes were expensive. You had three special mm-hmm. dresses and you obviously rewore them all season. And now Instagram season is, is about two weeks or so. So there's definitely yeah. an impact. We are going to head into a break in just a minute, Daisy. But when we come mm-hmm. back, I want to talk about what happens when your body size changes, when there's your weight fluctuates, and you do actually need new clothes that fit, and, and how one handles that with an edited closet. We'll be back after this quick break. We've all seen red light facial masks all over Instagram and beauty spas and dermatologists' offices. But did you know red light technology can also rejuvenate your pelvic floor, not just your face? As we age and lose estrogen, our skin, vagina, and intimate tissues get dry. The result? Painful sex, more UTIs, and increased bladder leakage. I've experienced all three. And let me tell you, they are zero fun. And it doesn't have to be this way. Meet Joy Lux, a sexual health and wellness company founded by women for women. Joy Lux offers a red light home use device called VFIT to rejuvenate your pelvic floor. This revolutionary device promotes vaginal wellness, natural lubrication, improves strength and sensation, and increases confidence. 
all from the privacy of home at a fraction of the cost of in-office options. Get your confidence back. Reconnect with your partner. Take charge of your intimate health. Who doesn't want easy-to-use at-home care? Sign me up and spread the word. JoyLux has an exclusive code for certain age listeners. Take $50 off the VFIT with code Katie50. That's K-A-T-I-E-5-0 for $50 off. Head to joylux.com for the love of your V. Daisy, we took a quick break, and when we headed into it, we talked about um, what you know, how you manage a, a wardrobe when your weight is fluctuating. You have a prompt on your website that says, "Is your closet for you or your past self?" Mm. What happens to to clients whose body size is changing due to things like perhaps you know pregnancy or illness or midlife? Yeah, well, I think it's important just to acknowledge up front that it's the norm for all female bodies to change over the course of our lives. Um, it's actually very abnormal for someone's body to stay the same their whole life. I've, I've seen it a couple of times, but, you know, 99% of women's bodies are going to change as they age, and it's a biological function. It's, it's, it's hormones, it's fat that's needed to, you know, create new life, it's it's all kind of, you know, I don't know the science, but, um, you know, there are all sorts of biological reasons for that. Um, and we really haven't normalized that. That is really still seen as abnormal. And the message we're given is that no matter what, if your body changes, you should attempt to force it back to what it was, you know, at some ideal age. Like if you were 25, if that was your ideal body, you've got to try all your life to be getting back to that. Um, I'm just ready to give up that effort. <laughs> you know, it's just, um, that's a tall order. And it takes a lot of time and energy that we all, I'm sure, have more important things um, for. But it is, so it is important to, you know, be able to acknowledge that that's a normal thing. And if it is a normal thing, then we know we're going to be buying new clothes over the course of our lives. And so as we talked earlier about style constantly evolving and changing, if our bodies are evolving and changing, then we can let go of this idea of a wardrobe as being absolutely timeless. I know that's a super popular idea, and especially like with capsule wardrobes and stuff, which which I have a lot of experience with, with and we can talk about. But the idea of a wardrobe never changing is just not realistic. Um, and so I think a lot of women just need permission to let go of those old clothes, let, you know, get them out of your closet where they're making you feel bad um, that you're not that size anymore and buy some beautiful new things that make you feel good about where you are. Such great advice. And if we are taking those things out of our, those items out of our closet that no longer serve us, how are we getting rid of them? Do you recommend mm -hmm. consigning, donating? What's your strategy? Yeah, I mean, I have lots of different, um, you know, potential methods, but I do want to say that if it's hard for you, and if the editing is hard, get rid of things in the easiest way possible. You know, I just, again, like, just first of all, want to give people that permission because a lot of people have this, um, well, a lot of us are perfectionists, right? And we want to give things away in the perfect way. And that can okay, actually Daisy, stop a lot of people. Daisy, you have seen into my soul. I, yeah, I have, I <laughs> can have, stop people. I have bags of stuff that I'm like waiting to donate correctly in my home. Yes. Help me. Yeah. Help me, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so I really think if that's you, um, give yourself permission to take it to the easiest possible place. And I promise you, you know, it will go to a good home. Um, and so for me, often, I mean, I have two little kids. I have a business. I'm, you know 
we're, we're all busy, but for me, it's the local Goodwill. Um, and I will actually see my clothes on the racks there later on. Like I know that they're getting, um, that they're getting reused there. If you have beautiful clothes that, you know, may have some value, absolutely do consignment or the real, real. Um, and if you are able and have the energy, you know, they're almost in every city, there are domestic shelters for women that need clothes. There's the organization Dress for Success that always needs professional clothes for women coming out of poverty. Um, so there are lots and lots of great things to do, but I also want to give everybody permission to just Give yourself that brain space because what I, I, this is a really important thing, I think, is that we all want to do good in the world, but it's these little things that are, you know, kind of just hanging up all of our energy and pulling our energy away. And I really feel like if we can move that stuff out, we're going to have this energy come in for other good things we want to do in the world. Yes. I mean, I, I sometimes joke that the container store is like a large, you know, it's like it's a Valium, basically. Mm-hmm. Like you're, it's mm-hmm. like Xanax for managing mm-hmm. all your stuff. Yeah. And if we had less stuff, we wouldn't need to go into the container store and buy 19 different receptacles, you know. Yeah. And yeah. it, but it's hard because we do, you it know, it's, particularly I think you, you said you have two young children. When I, I have three kids and they range now from 21, 19 and 14. But, you know, kids grow. So there was a constant mm-hmm. need to recycle through clothing because they were sizing mm-hmm. out of them. And if, if my two boys were born during different seasons, they were never going to fit into the same thing at the same, the appropriate time. So there's this mm-hmm. constant maintenance. And, I, you know, it's exhausting and it, it's it challenging. Making decisions about whether to keep something or donate it or if it has value really does take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, that decision fatigue is huge. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up. That applies to so many things with our closets, for sure. And But where do you land, um, you know, in terms of decision fatigue, I feel a little bit um, on the fence about things like fast fashion, you know, and I would, mm-hmm. I'm would i curious to hear your take on this. You know, sometimes sure. I want something, particularly in the summer and the spring when I want like a pretty white top that's I know mm-hmm. is not going to look the same at the end of it. I, I like to buy it at like a Zara or mm-hmm. I'm wearing a white eyelet, eyelet blouse that I got from Target. It was very mm-hmm. inexpensive and I'm so happy about it. Mm-hmm. Do, where do you land on fast fashion as in terms of uh, on the range of sort of ethical consumption? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, huge question and a huge issue. And I have a few basic foundations that I stick to when I'm thinking about this question. One is the idea that for me and my clients, always the priority is to have clothes that fit. So if you are not buying clothes because you're worried about buying things perfectly ethically and you're therefore wearing clothes that are too small and making you feel bad about yourself. My priority in that scenario is that you buy clothes that fit wherever you can find them. Um, And then my other thing that I really try and remember and remind people of is that the more you wear something, the more ethical of a purchase it is. And so you could buy a $500 ethically made dress and never wear it. And that would be absolutely not honoring the work that went into that dress. And you could buy a $20 Target dress and wear it to pieces. And that would actually be honoring you know, the people who made that dress. When fast fashion is Look, I mean, it's a horrible industry. Everyone knows, you know, so much stuff is is wrong with it. But what I really also want to remind people is these corporations are responsible for a lot of these problems. And we have to remember that it's the responsibility is being filtered down to us as individuals and um, 
if if it's going to be harmful for our mental health to not have clothes that fit or, you know, just for whatever, if we're in a new phase of life, um, we have to take care of ourselves first. Um, and and we want to hold those companies to a little bit more of an ethical standard. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. So what are some of the ethical fashion brands that you might want to put on our radar that you think not enough people know about? Oh, my goodness. Um this is such a great question, and there are so, so many. I don't know that I could even, um, you know, I'll just name a few that come right to right. mind. Yeah. Um, one one is out of Minnesota called Hack with Design House. I really love that one for one particular reason, um, because they have a good return policy. And with my clients, I'm always looking for places that are ethically made and have a, a generous return policy. I know that's hard for small businesses, but um, we want to be able to try on the clothes. Um, Universal Standard is another great, really size-inclusive, ethically made company um, with a, some great policies. Like they have a couple of items in their kind of core collection that if your size changes, they'll just replace it for you for free. Um, my favorite has always been Elizabeth Suzanne, who sh- had to shut down during the pandemic, but she's back again in kind of a smaller iteration. Um, there's also a company in LA called The Tiny Closet. I love her stuff as well. Her name's Natalie. So just so many. I could I could go on and on. Fabulous. I will, I will find all those and put them into the show notes. So for listeners who want to find those brands that Daisy just mentioned, you can head to acertainagepod.com to find the transcript of the show so you can shop those collections. So you, you use the word core collection. I love the fact that that brand helps you replace it. What should be in a core collection? And this may be a difficult question to answer, but walk us through what you think might be a jumping off point for those of us who want to take some of the thinking out of this process and kind of have a capsule wardrobe to tap into as a building block. Yeah, I mean, it is a tricky question because I really, um, I mean, to to many people's chagrin, I try to stay away from as many rules as possible. And so I'm (laughs) never going to say, these are the 10 things you must have in your closet because your lifestyle could be completely different from who Tim Gunn is thinking of when he made that list or, you know, whatever. Um, So I would recommend people look at their wardrobes and see what they actually wear. Like, what do you wear over and over? Is it jeans? Is it leggings? Is it um, long cardigans? You know, what are the pieces that make up your core collection, so to speak? Um, And then make sure that you've got enough options of those. And don't judge yourself. You know, if you do wear leggings every day and that does work for your lifestyle, go ahead. You know, there's no, there should be no kind of shaming in in what we're wearing, especially if if we've thought about it mindfully and uh, know that it works for us. That makes sense. Do you believe in hacks? Like I've heard the hack at the hanger hack where you turn all your hangers one way and then you wait to the end of the season and see which have not been turned back. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you've worn it and then you're able to take a quick visual look and say, gosh, that hanger wasn't touched at all this season, time to donate. Do you believe mm-hmm. in that type of hacking your wardrobe? Yeah, I think anything like that can be completely helpful. Um, definitely if that works for you, it's a great exercise to do. I also think a great exercise to do is to actually create a capsule wardrobe out of your closet, out of what you already own. So a lot of times people think a capsule wardrobe means you're going out and buying everything new. You're creating this capsule by buying each piece. And what I like to do is kind of reverse that process and say, like, let's pull out of your closet what you're already wearing and let's call that a capsule and let's store the rest of it. And you could kind of see after you work with your capsule for a couple of months, you know, how much of that stuff that you stored did you actually miss and how much of it did you find you needed? Um, 
I think both of those exercises are really illuminating to help you figure out, again, it's about what we actually wear and actually want to wear. Um, and the stuff, the kind of either aspirational stuff or the stuff for a past self, like that stuff can, can maybe be edited out. Uh, you use the word store, and I'm going to say that I grew up in New York City, and mm. my uh, I'm one of four kids. I'm the oldest of four children, and my youngest brother spent the first two years of his life living in a closet uh, because <laughs> they were able to squeeze a crib in there. And when you said the word store, I've got listeners from all over the country. If you're living in a, you know, uh, if you have a home, you might have more space. For those listeners who are like, I don't have a closet that I can store this stuff, what are your recommendations for sort of just managing um, your clothing? Do you have any tips or hacks? Yeah, I mean, I would say that if you want to do some sort of exercise where you're working with more of a minimal number of items, it's really just a visual thing. So clearly, wherever you have your clothes currently stored, that's where they will fit. But can you visually kind of eliminate some of them. So one thing that I do, I, I live in a small, um, n- not, I'm not comparing myself, my house to, to a New York apartment. I've lived in New York. I get it. But, get it. Um, but I have a, a smaller uh, ranch house, mid-century ranch house. And um, in my closet, I have a hanging garment bag that's kind of wider. It's almost like its own little zippered container. Um, And so for me, that's where I store a lot of the stuff. So it really is just a visual that allows me, again, with decision fatigue, what's hard is taking in all the options. That is what makes your brain work so hard. And so if you can eliminate, visually eliminate as many options as possible, it'll be just a lot easier. So anything you can do like that, if there's if you can throw a sheet over the stuff in your closet, you know, somehow isolate it, isolate the stuff that you are wearing. Um, that's a good start. Yeah, that's a great idea to sort of separate stuff out. You know, because I do find myself reaching for the same thing over and over and over again. And, you know, you wish you had, you know, two of them because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're your heroes. They're your wardrobe heroes that you reach for. And there's the stuff that you never get rid of. Um, yeah. We do, you know, I live in the Northeast. Um, Daisy, where do you live? I'm in the Midwest. You're so. in the Midwest. So you have seasons yeah. as well. Lots we have, of seasons. We have yeah. seasons in New York. We've got seasons in um, the Midwest. Summer is upon us. Where? How do you recommend we handle the seasonal changeover in a way that doesn't overwhelm us and, and allows us to feel, um, you know, that we're sort of edited and in control? You know, it's a good question. And over the years, what I have come to do is to do more of a gradual switchover rather than a one time kind of like right now I'm switching because I mean, global warming, whatever is happening, our our weather is so erratic. I mean, we had 100 degrees last week and this week it's 50. So for me, it's been really thinking about like, oh, this is my spring transitional wardrobe. And then I'm going to save the stuff that's the height of summer. Like, I'm not taking out my, like, you know, spaghetti strap sundresses yet. Those are going to be for when it gets to be 100 every day Two for two reasons. One is, um, you know, I don't want to think about it now because I'm not going to be wearing it now. And the other is it makes it feel a little fresher when it does come out. Um, and so for me, um, in the spring, I put away my heaviest sweaters, but I leave some out. And I bring out a few of the spring things, but not all the summer stuff. So, and then when I get to summer, you know, in July, I'll probably switch everything out so it's just completely all summer and then do a little reverse process in the fall. 
I love this hybrid notion. I think it's really smart. That's a, that's a great uh, technique. I want to mm-hmm. ask you about the high priestess of, of closet cleaning, Marie Kondo, mm. who <laughs> has a lot of opinions about mm-hmm. how we should organize stuff. And, you know, she, she has famously said, if an item doesn't spark joy, it needs to, mm-hmm. you know, be moved out and moved on. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of things in my home that don't spark joy, but I, I need to keep them because they actually <laughs> right. make my home run. So I'm not 100% on board with this spark joy notice but uh, or, or, you know, spark joy approach. Mm-hmm. But um, what I do agree is that this sort of notion of keeping your wardrobe mostly in sight, because I have found that when I store stuff away and change over, that sometimes I've bought something I already own because I've forgotten I own it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Where do you land on the Marie Kondo approach? You know, I know we're talking Mm -hmm. about creating an edited closet, but are are you, do you believe that that's the right approach or you, you know, tell me what Mm -hmm. your thinking is? Yeah, well, first of all, I absolutely love Marie Kondo. Um, I think so many of her theories and philosophies are really excellent, Um, but there are a lot of things that aren't so practical either. Um, I don't fold my socks the way she does. <laughs> I don't fold my t-shirts the way she does. I don't fold my um, socks at all. There's no sock folding. No, I know. <laughs> I mean, apparently my socks are sad about it. I don't it, have time you for know that. What? They'll we, be okay. Yes. Yeah. They'll be okay. But um, I, and as far as keeping everything out, um, again, I find that that is just too visually overwhelming. Um, and so in, in, in terms of, you know, kind of making sure that you don't repeat buy things. I think there are a couple of approaches. One is to make sure that you just kind of have a small enough wardrobe so that you're pretty aware of everything that you have. Um, So if you can edit things down so that you have a good awareness of it, um, that's great. The other thing is is to actually, and this is something we do in my group program, you actually take an inventory of your closet. And so you know, like, oh, I already have three button down white shirts, I certainly don't need another one. Or if I do, one has to, you know, one has to take off. So um, those are a couple of ways to think about it. I, I don't like having everything out. Um, I just think it's too overwhelming. That one in, one out uh, philosophy is a very smart approach. We're going to be moving into a speed round in a minute, but I do want to mm. just touch on this notion of inventorying what you have, because I think that's mm-hmm. a good decision-making tool. Walk mm-hmm. us through what an inventory would look like and how we would put it into practice. Obviously, we could do your group coaching. If we were to do it on our own, what does that look mm-hmm. like? Sure. I mean, it's very simply categorizing all of your items. Um and then counting them. So the categorization can actually take a little time just to get started, but you might say, um, and for everyone, again, they're gonna have maybe different categories. So for instance, for myself, I have um, in the winter, the categories are you know, thick sweaters, cardigans, long sleeve shirts. That might be for tops, the categories that I have, and then I'm counting all of those things. And so if I do that before I go into that season, For instance, if I do this in the fall and I actually have some downloads, um, a link to some downloads that I can send, that would be helpful for people. If you can look at that going into fall and know already how many sweaters you have, you're going to be much more mindful about your fall shopping because we all get excited, right? We're like, ooh, new fall stuff is out and I love that sweater. I need that sweater. And then we unpack our fall stuff and we're like, oh, crap. I forgot I already had nine sweaters. Right. So, I, have, I have nine gray sweaters. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's really, um, I have a, a fall wardrobe planning worksheet, which I'll make sure and get to you so people can have that. But that really, um, it takes you through that process before you make your shopping list. 
fabulous. I'm putting that into the show notes so people can head to a certainagepod.com to look for those. All right, Daisy, let's move into our speed round. This is just quickie one to two word answers um, so we can leave, we can cover more ground and give people a taste of your work before we wrap. Are you ready? I am ready, and I'm hoping my COVID brain doesn't let me down. Yes, no, you've I'll got. Be quick. You've got this. You've got this. <laughs> yeah. we, we're not going to. We're not going to tax you too much. Finding my. Uh, sorry, founding Mindful Closet was intimidating. Intimidating. Okay, we're here for honest answers. Mm-hmm. Items in our closet that are still wearing tags. Do we donate, resell, or hang on to? Um, resell or donate. Favorite place to consign clothes. Mm, I have a couple local places here in St. Louis that I love. Bird Designer Consignment is my favorite. Okay, so look local. Everyone who's listening Mm -hmm. should Google their local spots. That's right. Best hack for getting rid of items that no longer have resale value or are too old to donate? Um, If you mark them as fabric recycling and take them to Goodwill, Goodwill will recycle them as fabric. That is a great hack. Okay. Never pay full price for this wardrobe basic. Um, I believe you should pay full price for anything that you need and love. Okay, so you've already answered my next question, which is <laughs> wardrobe item worth a splurge? Or what do you splurge on? What do I splurge on? I splurge, definitely shoes are something always worth spending on. Um, and I probably splurge on jewelry. Um, and not like fine jewelry necessarily, but just like cool necklaces and earrings are something I love. Just stuff you love. I love it. Okay, mm-hmm. favorite closet organizing tool? Hmm. Let's just say that inventory. I think that's a good one. Great. This clothing item always makes me feel like myself. Mm. <laughs> a linen tunic. <laughs> nice. Nope, nope, can't do it. This popular wardrobe staple is not in my closet. Body contrast. Okay. Surprise. Even stylists struggle. What's a wardrobe challenge you grapple with? Hmm. Dealing with my changing body. Got it. Yes, that's something that everyone does. Casey, mm-hmm. this has been terrific. But your one word answer to complete the sentence before I wrap, as I age, I feel. Like I just care less. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect note to end on. Thank you, Daisy. Before we say goodbye, how can our listeners find you, your work, and Mindful Closet? Sure. Um, my website is mindfulcloset.com. I'd love it if people um, head there and get some, some extra resources. And then I also love to hang out on Instagram at mindfulcloset. Thank you, Daisy. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next Monday when I talk with Julie Kaczynski, a co-founder of the Buzzy Supplements brand Wild Women, which offers products for women navigating the hormonal roller coaster of peri and menopause, and which just landed on the shelves of Whole Foods. Before we say goodbye, I want to thank everyone who has taken time to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. I see and appreciate you. If you have not yet done so, make today the day. It's so easy to do. Just find a certain age on your podcast app, scroll down to the bottom, and tap on the stars to rate or leave a written review. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties.